is going to hit hard, really hard. Because every one of us has suffered from this in some way, shape or form. None of us are immune. But I believe that this particular topic will decide whether we as a church are great or whether we're just ordinary. Because this is one of the hardest things to tackle in the Christian life. And today I want to talk about the spirit of offence. When we get offended, how do we respond to that? The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Tell us, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age, the end of the world? And Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are just the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will become offended and turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Because of the increase of lawlessness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So this week I want to start by looking at the spirit of offence. Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offences should come. In other words, if you breathe, you are going to get offended in life. Something is going to be spoken to you that wounds you. Something's going to happen in your circumstances where relationships are going to get broken and confused and people are going to abuse you and people are going to mistreat you. You are going to get hurt. It is inevitable. You cannot do life without being offended. It's going to happen to every one of us. Jesus is promising you it will happen. But he's also saying, but woe to anyone that offends people. So it's a tough topic, (laughs) really tough. Offences will occur in our heart. It is inevitable that we will get wounded or mistreated, but how we respond to being offended or offending someone else will determine whether or not we have truly understood the forgiveness and the reconciliation that we have in Jesus. So I believe that when Jesus was talking about that many will get offended, that day is here. Absolutely believe that is here because the church has become offended. How many people have you heard that don't go to church anymore because the church let them down? The church did something to them that wounded them. Hello, that's relationship. It's going to happen. It does happen. It happens in our circumstances. It happens everywhere you go. Of course it's going to happen. Members get offended, so they leave. They get offended by something that the leader says, so they leave. Somebody says something to someone, they get wounded and they leave. Why? Because they don't deal with the offence. Employees are offended, so they leave their job. Couples get offended, so they quit their marriage. It happens everywhere. They get divorced because they have irreconcilable differences. Children and young adults are offended, so they bring guns to school and they shoot anyone that gets in their way. 
Offence is rampant in our community. It's rampant everywhere and it's becoming an epidemic in the church. And being offended is an unforgiving attitude that have become the sort of prevailing disposition in our community. It's okay to hate people. It's okay to be revengeful. It's okay to be bitter. It's okay not to forgive people. But that's not biblical and it's not godly. Not any way, shape or form. And I believe that offences are beginning to inundate the church. Now, if you think about that passage that Jesus was talking about, he said, many will become offended. In the Greek, the many is more than 50%. So that's half this room. All of you are going to leave the church. Statistically, you're going to get offended and you're going to turn away from your faith. And then there's a progression here. You watch it. And that, that, that offendedness, that woundedness, that bitter spirit, that unforgiving spirit becomes betrayal. So it starts off as a word or an action that hits hard in your heart, but then it becomes a betrayal and eventually it leads to hate. That's pretty serious. If Jesus said more than 51%, that's a pretty, that's a pretty heavy statistic, isn't it? It's pretty scary. So a wounded, offended person will eventually betray and betrayal ultimately leads to hatred. But it is so counter-contrary to, to what Jesus wanted us to do. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is deceived and a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. Why can you not win a strong city? Why can't you just march in with an army into a strong city? What stops you? The walls. What happens when you get offended? You put up a wall, don't you? I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to deal with the conflict. I don't want to, I'm just going to put up a wall. And the scripture calls that a stronghold. That's what makes the city strong, that he has a stronghold. So strong cities are defended by walls and the result of being offended is that people build up walls to keep out those they think are against them. Strongholds. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish Walls, strongholds. We demolish arguments, that's reasoning or imaginations in our mind, and every pretension, that's a, a pretension is still a thought process that sets itself up against the knowledge in your mind of God, and we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. The walls are all built up in here. The offence might be in our heart that we've got a wounded spirit, but the wall that we build up is in our logic, the way that we process out that woundedness. The walls protect us, and what we want to do is that we want to blame that person. We want to say, I've been, I've been wounded and I've been offended by that person. But if you think about it, God wants us to break down walls. 
He's in the ministry of reconciliation. He's in the ministry of love. So he wants our response out of that woundedness not to be defensive and hurt and lashing out and retaliating. He wants us to be countercultural to that and love people and reconcile and forgive because you know, you've all met them. We've probably all been one, an offended person. You become bitter. You become unforgiving, then that unforgiveness becomes like criticism and that criticism becomes judgment and pretty soon there's a pretty hard heart towards that person. And I believe it's something we've got to deal with much better as a church. Betrayal is when a person seeks his or her own benefit or protection at the expense of one he or she has relationship. It's actually the word communion. We break the communion because of the stronghold is built up between us. And that word hatred is really the absence or the void of love. We become loveless instead of being a people that are truly overwhelmed with love. And, and the reason why I think we've got to talk about this topic is because Jesus said it is going to happen. It's inevitable that the whole church is going to face this issue. And if we can know that that's what the enemy wants us to do and face it, we'll be a lot stronger. So the word offence is actually the word scandalon in Greek, which means a scandal. And it's actually a trap. That the enemy wants to set a trap for you so that you'll get offended and you'll get wounded and because of that wound you'll withdraw and you'll put up a wall and unity is broken and community can't be built. He's setting us up. It's what he's trying to do. He's trying to set a little trap that we would stick our head and our heart in that and he'll go, gotcha, you swallowed the bait. You're offended. I love offended people, says the devil. Because I can poke and I can prod and I can make it worse and I can exacerbate it and it can just start off as one little misinterpreted word or one little, little behaviour that was probably innocent. But the enemy can build on that and build on that and build on that until your relationship with that person is fractured. Be humble when you are trying to teach. This is what Paul wrote to Timothy. Be humble when you are trying to teach those in the church who are deceived concerning the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from Satan's trap of offence, which he uses to catch them whenever he likes, and then they can begin doing the will of God. Most of you have probably heard about a guy called John Bevere. He wrote a great book called The Bait of Satan. And it is such a powerful book. But you know what? For all the promotion and all the awareness of that book and what's changed, there's still offence happening and people still don't deal with it properly. Now, I'm not here today to tell you that being offended is something that you can just switch on and off easily. It hurts. We do get wounded in life. People do say insensitive things. Stuff does happen. But it's how we deal with that hurt that will truly dictate whether the love of Christ is flowing out of us or bitter waters are flowing out of us. And this is a topic that if we can get it right, it will make the church such a strong place where the bond of peace binds us together. So exercise foresight and be on watch to look after one another to see that no one falls back and fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favour and spiritual blessings, in order that no root of resentment, 
rancor, bitterness or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment and that many become contaminated and defiled by it. What a strong statement. You see how something little can just very quickly spread and become so contaminating. So this is what I tried to to think about. When you're offended, what happens? I I feel offended, so I take exception to something or someone. I become to feel aggrieved. I can be affronted by what that person did or you know, I can take something and take umbrage to it. I can feel upset. I can feel annoyed. I can feel angry. I can feel indignant. I can be put out. I can be insulted, hurt, wounded, resentful, disgruntled, get in a huff, get miffed, get my nose out of joint, get riled up. You know what I'm trying to say. That's what happens. And it happens to every one of us. It does happen to us. But we've got to deal with it God's way. The spirit, and this is what happens, the spirit of of offence, once we're offended, it chokes us operating normally. It chokes the relationship. So that ordinary conversation and relationship is strained. There's a wall there. And because that wall's there, it chokes off giving people the benefit of the doubt. Rather than giving that person forgiveness, we start to hold stuff against them. We're not tolerant of those people anymore. We're actually trying to stick a a knife in them at times. You know what it's like when, you know, we want people to be tolerant of us and we want people to give us plenty of slack. But when you're offended, you don't give people any tolerance and you don't give them any benefit of the doubt. That attitude begins to really affect and it denies human imperfection. We just don't go, well, that person could have made an innocent mistake. We go, that person's out to get me. And that's what the enemy will do. He will twist those little things. It doesn't allow for us just to be broken people who make mistakes in life. We, instead, we have to be precise and mechanical and we don't give people you know, room to move. It assumes the worst of people. It ignores the obvious intention and digs for something even more ugly underneath it. And it's like a cancer that starts to get into us. It nourishes an attitude of dissatisfaction with life, especially for those who choose to carry it around like a badge of honour that reads, I'm hurt. They hurt me. So I'm going to hurt them back. And that's what life starts to look like. I'll get them before they get me. And sometimes the danger is that we don't actually see that when we've taken offence to something somebody's done, we've already become a damaging person. We need to deal with that offence and do it God's way. So that's sort of like the snare. That's what Satan sets up for us. Let's get Dave wounded or let's get you know, somebody wounded so that they can feel hatred in their heart and so that they can respond instead of out of love out of bitterness. In the last days, multitudes, the majority, are going to be offended. They're going to, left unresolved, that offence will cultivate into betrayal and betrayal will foster hatred. And then Jesus goes on to say this, listen really carefully, and many false prophets will appear. So once people are offended and they're deceived by their response to that offence, false prophets will come alongside them and deceive them and deceive many. Who are the many that will be deceived? The ones that are offended. 
Why? Because that offended attitude doesn't allow us to see and give the grace of God. It doesn't allow us to give forgiveness. It actually creates a foothold for the enemy to get in. And once he's got a foothold in there, he's going to prize and push and make it a stronghold. And once it's a stronghold, guess what? You need deliverance. Christians can't be possessed. Yes, they can. Because an offence can start off as a little wound and on the back of that innocent little wound, the enemy will come and he'll say, let me just prize that open a little bit more. And if bitterness and hatred start to grow, then it will become betrayal and then you're going to end up being in a really dark place. And it happens. Is there anybody here that hasn't seen that happen? Have a look around. It happens everywhere. It starts off so innocent. That's why it's just a little bait. You know, when you go fishing, you just, you know, stuck out the bait, just waiting, hoping, and someone gets offended and the enemy goes, great, <laughs> he's wounded. Guess what I'm going to do? Poke and push and make that wound worse. And then once that wound is so bad that we don't want to deal with it, we withdraw and we isolate and then the enemy's got us even in a better place to heap more coals on us. Well, we've got to deal with that the right way because once we are offended, we're deceived. Because what should an offended person do? Exactly. Wallow in it? No. Stay at home and say, it's all right, I've dealt with it. It's all good. I'm feeling all right. The next time you see that person, those thought patterns start to, you know, just grade away. We need to respond in a biblical manner. And this is what the verse goes on to say. Because of the increase of lawlessness, the love of most will grow cold. Does that verse not frighten you? The love of most will grow cold. Why? Because of offence. It's that simple. Offended reasoning isolates people in their thinking to mistrust. That's lawlessness. When you don't trust anybody, you don't come under law. You don't come under authority. You don't respect authority. You don't trust anybody because you've been wounded. That woundedness could be justified. Yes, I have no doubt that most of us have been mistreated. But we don't have a right to take that mistreatment and turn it into unforgiveness. We've actually got to go to that person and say, I need to talk with you. I need to share how I'm feeling. I need to let you know what's happening for me. So it becomes, at the end of the day, that an offence becomes betrayal, becomes hate, and then the love of God goes cold. So this is what happens. If you've got a relationship with someone and something becomes between you and you, that an offence starts, you know what will happen? Your relationship with God will begin to go downhill. You cannot have intimacy with God. You cannot. And that's why the love of many will go cold because there's unresolved relationship issues that have not been dealt with. They haven't been resolved God's way. And I think we should be ringing alarm bells about this. Now, all offended people can be put into two categories, those who are genuinely mistreated and those who think they have been genuinely mistreated. But it doesn't matter what category you're in. If you've been mistreated, do you have a right to be offended? Do you have a right to be offended? 
That's right. Very good answer. You have a right to feel hurt. It's not switching off those emotions and saying they're not real. Because they are real. You're genuinely hurt. I'm not saying switch that off. I'm saying embrace that and say, go to the person and say, I feel really wounded. What you will find when you go to the person is probably on their side, they didn't even realise what they did. And you give space for them to apologise. You open up a forum for people to communicate. And, and what that does is that suddenly it brings unity and the bond of peace is restored, not shattered. It's a hard thing to do. But if you want to walk with God, you have no right to be offended. And this is, what, this is how it works. Jesus is hanging on a cross, right? And he's paying the sin for everyone. And he looks down at the Sanhedrin and he looks down at the Romans and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He wasn't just looking at that group of people. He was looking down the tunnel of time to you and me. And he was forgiving us even before there was reconciliation. The reconciliation didn't come until Mark Wilson in 1996 said, Father, forgive me because I offended you and I repented. Then I had reconciliation. So there's two parts of the process. We've got to, we've got to forgive, but then we've got to reconcile. Because even if I've got offended, I have to go to that person as a peacemaker and say, I'm sorry, because my response to what happened was that I got offended. And you say, that's not fair. Why should I have to go and talk to that person? They're the one that hurt me. Because that's what the Bible says to do. Because that person might be living in oblivion and not even know that they did hurt you. But if you go and say to them, hey, mate, you know the other day when you said that, can I say this is how it made me feel? I can guarantee you if you give most people that opportunity, they will say, I am so sorry. I am so sorry that that happened. And what, what does that do? Does that bring you closer? Absolutely. It's okay to be hurt, but it's not okay to be offended. An offended Christian who will not forgive is a person who has forgotten what they have been forgiven of. That's why this topic's so important. Our commitment to forgiveness has to be inexhaustible as demonstrated in Christ. So Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to 77 times? Jesus said, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven. So Peter thought he was being pretty magnanimous, you know? Forgive me seven good, Lord? No, 70 times seven. And then Jesus goes on to talk about this parable, and he says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. At this the servant fell on his knees before him and said, Be patient with me. He begged, and I will pay back everything. So the servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. That's God forgiving us. But when that servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins, which is about the equivalent of three months wages, he grabbed him and began to choke him and said, pay back what you owe me. He demanded his fellow servant. He fell to his knees and begged him. But be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. 
When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in and called him. Now, recognise this. This is inside the kingdom of God. This is a servant of the master. This is someone who is saved, someone who's walking with God. Calls him a wicked servant. It's very strong language. I cancelled all your debts because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tormented until he should pay back all he owed. Now, this is the only parable where Jesus gives the interpretation without being asked. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you, Mark Wilson, unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. How black and blunt is that? (laughs) I mean, that is in your face with a sledgehammer. Seriously. God is saying, I've forgiven you so much, and if you truly understand that, then you cannot hold harbour grudges in your heart. You've got to forgive. As painful as that might be, as painful as that might be, it's the key to success in the kingdom of God. See, there's two sides of offence. You can be offended or you can be someone who causes offence. And Paul wrote, I strive always to have a conscience without offence toward both God and man. So in Paul's life, he was always asking, God, have I offended you? Can I set that right, please? And he was always asking the question, God, is there anybody that I've offended? Because if there is, I want to know and I want to go and set it right. I want to be one with my brother and sister. That's what we should be dealing with with offence. So when we've been offended by someone's words or actions, we need to be mature and go to our brother or sister as a peacemaker. You don't go like this. Joel, you know the other day when you said that to me? Mate, you made me feel so sick in the guts. You know, what sort of a person are you that you would talk to? You know, where are you going to get if you do that? Nowhere. You've got to go, you know, Joel, can, can I? This is what I would do. I'd say, mate, can, can we talk? You know, the other day when we were talking about that stuff. Yeah, and I got very angry too. And I I want to apologise because I responded the wrong way. Mate, I'm really sorry for that attitude and it had in my heart. What's that going to do to him? His wall is going to come crashing down. If it doesn't, I've got no no problem because I've come in grace, I've come in humility, and I've asked him to forgive me. What sort of person goes, no, I'm not going to forgive you? A very hard hearted person and you're not responsible for that all you're responsible for is taking what's in your heart putting it on the table and asking for forgiveness if you don't forget get that forgiveness that's not your problem makes the process harder yeah because there's no closure on it if i wallow in being slighted resentful and refuse not to go and reconcile you know what it is it's just pride It really is just pride if we won't go. If I continually hurt people and refuse not to take responsibility and change my ways, that's pride too. We shouldn't be a people that are hurting each other. We should be a people that are extending love and grace all the time. This is what they said about Jesus. A bruised reed he will not break. 
and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Jesus was so gentle with people. Like he spoke the truth in love. He was straight down the line. But if he ever offended someone, I don't know, but I know that his demeanour and his attitude was so humble in the way that he dealt with people. So here's what we need to do. If we begin to sense that there's something in our heart towards someone, I want to challenge you to pray first. This is how you pray. Lord, when I had that conversation with Joel the other day and my heart got wounded, Lord, I'm so sorry for that attitude in my heart. And Lord, I'm going to go to him. But Lord, before I go, I want to pray for Joel. I want to pray that you will bless him. That, Father, that you will just touch his life and his work and everything. You begin out of a heart of love to bless him, to bless him. Jesus said, I tell you, pray for anyone who mistreats you. That's the key. That's the key to unlocking the wound, is to begin to pray. Is that easy? Uh Uh-uh. It's really hard. And you're going to do it through gritted teeth a lot of time. But once you start to pray, you'll begin, the love of God will begin to flow. And you will find out very quickly, you are praying for that guy like you've never prayed for anyone before. And that's what we're doing. We're exchanging the woundedness for the victory. We're exchanging the hatred and the bitterness for love and grace. And then you go and you go in grace. So if you are standing before the altar at Worship at Catalyst on a Sunday morning, offering your sacrifice of praise to God, and suddenly remember that a friend has something against you, or you have something against them, leave your sacrifice there beside the altar and go. Apologize and be reconciled. Forgiveness and reconciliation. And then come and offer your sacrifices to God. If a brother sins against you, go to him privately and confront him with his fault. If he listens and confesses it, you've won him back as a brother. But if not, then take one or two others with you and go back to him again, proving everything you say by these witnesses. If he still refuses to listen, then take your case to the church. And if the church's verdict favours you, but he won't accept it, then the church should excommunicate him. That's full on. (laughs) Wouldn't you love that? Hey, Kerry, you know that unresolved issue? Let's come and talk about it up here. That would be pretty horrific, wouldn't it, to be confronted like that? But I don't think it should get to that because they're just little niggles. They're just you know, little things that people say or do that are misinterpreted, but suddenly if they're left unresolved, boy, the enemy loves that. Forgive. Unity is built upon forgiveness. Bearing one another, and if someone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. Judge not, or you, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So forgive and then reconcile. You know, it's so easy to deal with my issue with Joel. Not that we really have one, mate. In the privacy of my own bedroom, or my own home, or my own head, or my own heart, it's so much easier to work it out then. But you know, in the spiritual realm, when you have harboured that, it needs to be reconciled, not just thought about, not just spoken about in a prayer language, you know, between you and God. That's great. That's the starting point, but it needs to be put on the table with Joel. I need to go and say, I was offended. And the way that you do that will open the door 
you go there all guns blazing, you could get a fight. <laughs> but if you go there in humility and in love, you will build your relationship to be a very strong one. Reconcile as if it never happened. So it's not just setting it right and going, well, now I'm going to stand, you know, arm's length away from that person from now on because I don't want to get burnt again. I don't want to get hurt again. That's not a godly attitude. That's not what God said to us. Oh, I'll forgive them, but I don't want to have anything to do with them. He wants to draw us in close. And that's the same principle. We should be close. We should be brothers and sisters in God that have nothing between us. And if there is something between us, the obligation is on me to set it right. Hey, Paul, are we okay? Is there anything we need to sort out? Are we all good? Yeah, great. Problem solved. If there's a sense there, just put it on the table. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's the biblical principle. God has forgiven us of everything. God doesn't hold our sin against us. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. He says, I love you unequivocally and that's how I want you to love each other. We're nearly done. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offences. Don't be lured into the trap. Because unforgiveness is like an acid in the container in which it dwells. Have you ever met a Christian who hasn't got over the hurdle of forgiving? They are miserable people. They're not people that are easy to hang around because they're always waiting for the hurt to happen again and so they're always on guard and they're always, you know, it can often be like the porcupine that when you try to hug it, you're going to get stung, you know. And, and sometimes why those people are hurt is very justified in the sense that they were legitimately hurt. But they've ended up being much more of a victim in it than they have a victor because they've allowed that hurt to build up to such a degree in their life that the, the way that they see life is all through that hurt. And I can tell you from my own experience what it does to your relationship with God. It almost destroys it. I've shared with you once before that I was leading a church and I employed my boss to be my associate pastor. And he undermined my ministry. He undermined me. I shared stuff with him in confidence that he spread right around the church. And was I wounded? Go and ask Cheryl about it sometime. I became a shadow of my former self. I let the enemy build something so strong up in my heart that I couldn't even relate to the, own, to the people in the church that I was ministering to. I was ministering from about a 10-foot distance because I didn't want to get hurt again. And I was trying to justify myself that I hadn't done anything wrong. And I was so wounded, so wounded that I ended up in depression. So wounded that everything that I looked at in my life was just tainted by this unforgiveness, this hatred towards this man. Now I have forgiven him. I haven't got to the point of seeing him face to face yet and I'm going to do that. But I've realised I've been waiting for him to come to me. I've got to go to him. I've got to be the one that's the bigger man. 
I've got to be the one that's got those living waters flowing out of me, not bitter dead waters. I've got to go and I've got to apologise because I took offence. I began to hate that man. I I was hoping that God would take him out. I was hoping that God would, you know, bring judgment on his family, that somehow his kids would get, you know, that's what happens. I was a pastor of a church. I'm the one who's supposed to set the example, and yet I was going down the tubes faster because I let the foothold become a stronghold. And when that stronghold had me, I was totally deceived. Really, I was. I was deceived. Sometimes God has put good people in your life that come and tell you the truth in love and say, hey, slap, slap. (laughs) Get out of that hole, Mark. Get out of that thinking, that stinking thinking. Get out of it. Go Go and ask forgiveness. Go and deal with it. You know, I was so angry that I couldn't even go and talk to him. And I'm still not there yet. It's a process. But I know now I can go in love. And I know now I can go and I can pray for him and I can bless him and I do forgive him. And I want the very best for that man. And I pray that his ministry will just be wonderful. I don't harbour that resentment anymore. I know God's healed me. But I know the damage it did when I wasn't dealing with it the right way. So don't take the bait. You know, I took the bait. He and I had a beautiful relationship. He was like my father. We don't have that relationship at all now. Because why? Probably because I didn't deal with it the right way. I lost one of my best friends. And I lost the friendship with his wife. And I lost the friendship with his children. Children that I'd baptised and kids that I'd nurtured and kids that I'd sent off to Bible college and prophesied over and loved. I don't have that relationship anymore. And I'm so sorry. I didn't have the courage and the guts to go and do what God called me to do. You know, it didn't matter at the end of the day who was right or wrong. What mattered was that I didn't have the integrity to go and say I'm sorry for my part in what happened in the breakdown of the relationship. And I believe as Christians, if we can do that one, if we can deal with this offence and do it well and do it right in God's eyes, how much stronger will we be as a people? We will be so strong, that unity of peace, but it's not an easy road to travel. (laughs) That's why I think so many won't take it, because you have to be humble. And you have to go as the peacemaker. Don't wait. If there's somebody in your life today that you need to get it right with, go. Can I encourage you to go and set it right? Don't wait. So, so unity. Don't sow discord. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. You know the sad part about the breakdown of that relationship? It destroyed a church. It destroyed a church that I busted my butt off to build. church that was broken and dysfunctional and I went there and I poured out my heart and I gave my everything to that place but the enemy got in. And he destroyed one relationship, just one. And because of that one, it segregated the whole church. Are we on Mark's side or are we on his side? And it polarised the whole church. And it's never healed. It's never healed and it won't heal until he and I set it right. 
Because in the spiritual realm, it's been broken and the enemy still has footholds and strongholds. And the day will come, and I'm praying it, when he and I will reconcile and he will, we will get that church together again and we will admit our fault. And I know when we do that, all heaven is going to rejoice. But until that time, it's still playing itself out because the people that should have taken responsibility didn't. And that's all I'm encouraging you to do today. If you need to take responsibility for something, please do it. I've got to stand before God on the day of judgment and he's going to ask me, Mark, what did you do at that church? And I'm going to have to say, I failed you. I failed you because I didn't have the courage. And I let the enemy get in and I let him win. I don't want to do that again. I don't want to be so cowardly that I can't face my own failures and my own faults. And that's my encouragement to you today. Don't live in the regret of letting it blow out. Deal with it. If I'd have just gone to him and said something's wrong, could we deal with it? Who knows what could have happened? I don't know. But I know I would have felt like I'd done it right before God instead of running away. Let's pray. Father, I don't want anything to hold us back as a people. And Lord, relationship to you is just so important. And Lord, yes, we're diverse and we're wired up differently and we have different ways of doing things and that will often cause offence or misunderstanding or miscommunication. But Lord, we need to be a people that are willing to humble ourselves and come and say, oh, I don't understand or something doesn't feel right. I'm just sensing in my spirit that there's a discord here. What can we do to set it right? Lord, would you teach us how to be a people that don't take offence? But that's impossible because you said it's going to happen. So teach us how to be a people that respond to offence with love and humility in our hearts, Lord God. I pray today, Father, right across this congregation, I'm sure, I'm confident, I'm almost certain that there are relationships within this church and without it that we need to set right. And we need to go. Relationships with parents, relationships with spouses, relationships with children, relationships with siblings, relationships within our own church family. Lord, the principle is the same no matter what context it is. It's just go and reconcile with your brother. Lord, I don't don't think this is an easy thing at all. I think it's the very bare roots of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to be willing to forgive. But Lord, I can't look at you and what you did for me and then turn my eyes away from that and say, well, I can do it differently. I've got to come just as you did and offer forgiveness and reconcile. And Father, I thank you uh, that you are the God of the second chance, that all you're doing is waiting for us to recognise our part in it and 
extending the hand of grace. And you'll meet us in that, Lord. Father, this week as we lead up to church camp, we pray that we would be a church that arrives on those grounds in total unity. And if there's anything that any of us need to do to set relationships right, then there's seven days ahead of us, Lord. Lord, if there's deep wounds still churning away in our heart for things in the past or people that have walked all over us, abused us, mistreated us, you are the healer. We don't want to stay in that hurt, wounded place. My prayer today, Lord, is simply that we would be like Paul and ask ourselves that in the conscience of our mind that we have a clear heart towards you, Lord God, and towards our fellow man. And I know my God, he'll show us those people. He'll show us the situations. He'll reveal them. That's what he does. That's what the sweet Spirit of God always does when we ask. So Lord, today show us and give us the courage to respond and to make peace and to forgive and to reconcile. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Don't give him a foothold. Thank you, God. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed from the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbour. For we are members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So Father, we don't want to do that. We don't want to give any ground to the enemy. We want to take back what he's stolen. And we want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and be peacemakers. Lord, this is a big topic and it's not going to get resolved this morning, but it can be a start. It can be a new beginning because Jesus, you make all things new and you are the God of restoration and you are the God of reconciliation and you are the God of redemption and you can redeem every broken relationship and you can restore and you can rebuild And that's why we worship you. And so, Father, as we sing this song this morning, let it be a prayer from every one of our hearts that nothing will hold us back. If the spirit of offence has gripped us, 
Let's break those chains today. Here, this morning, make a declaration in your heart to go and set it right. And may the God of all comfort and all grace give you everything you need to walk that out. Father, I thank you for your love and your gentle way. And I pray today, Lord, that we would be a people that don't just hear the Word of God, but we will be doers and that we will give you glory and honour in the way that we conduct ourselves. Father, we worship you this morning because you forgave us when we didn't deserve it. You didn't judge us. You called us home. And Father, I pray today that we would be a church, a bunch of ordinary people who have extraordinary ways of dealing with offence. that you would teach us to do it right, to do it your way.